This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Turn it up because this big news is everyone's jam. Innova Go Health Urgent Care is opening centers in your neighborhood with a new modern look and comfortable feel. Whether you need it might be the flu or I think it's broken urgent care, you'll be able to visit trusted Innova Go Health Urgent Care providers nearby 365 days a year. Save your spot or rock and roll over to an Innova Go Health Urgent Care Center in your neighborhood today. Click the banner to learn more. Support for today's Blues Focus podcast is brought to you by none other than Manscaped. Manscaped specialised in all your below-the-waist grooming needs. They've only just recently landed in the UK, so you could be first one of the first men in the country to even try out their products. So uh, get looking at them now. They're definitely big in other countries, and they finally dropped in the UK. I think many people can say, you know, we've gone years without using the right tools for the job. So uh, it's about time we started using the right tools for the job to avoid accidents. I'm sure we've all had uncomfortable moments um, in situations like that that we'd rather not share. But to avoid those moments, why not invest in specialised precision tools to get the job done correctly? They've recently launched the Lawnmower 3.0, which I actually have um, here with me right now to show you. There you go. There it is in action. Got a little torch. I think that the torch is an interesting feature. I don't think I've ever seen anything like that on uh, an electrical trimmer before. So um, no, it's it's definitely um, it's definitely different. And you know, you, you get a docking station with it and stuff, and um, plenty of little fittings you can have on the top of the trimmer. It's it's charged last up to like ninety minutes. Uh, so you know, if you uh, if you're a bit bored in a Blues game, then go go shave your uh, lower regions for the full ninety minutes. I mean, we are that bad, so it wouldn't surprise me if somebody did. Um, it's waterproof, so um, if you wanted to take it in the shower, that's not a problem. It's not gonna blow up on you or fail or anything uh, so you're covered there they've also upgraded to a 7000 rpm motor with a quiet stroke technology like i mentioned earlier you know smooth quiet makes things a lot easier it's not it's not just for below the waist grooming really it can be for body grooming in general but you know i that's i feel like that as a whole definitely sells itself as a unique trimmer so I'd, I'd highly recommend it, having tried it myself. So it's it's definitely worth, worth a go anyway. And, you know, if you buy one of their packages, you get plenty of other little gifts, such as this wash bag, um, some uh, some toner and some deodorant and whatnot, and um, the docking station, obviously. I mean, they even do T-shirts in boxes and stuff like that. If you're really interested in the fashion side of things, to be fair, their clothes are quite comfy, having uh, also tried them myself. Um, but no, have, having seen all that, if you are interested, then to get 20% off plus free shipping, use the code BLUESFOCUS20 at manscaped.com. And there you are, sorted. You can uh, have a nice little trim wherever that may be, but obviously it is specialised in certain areas. But you know, whatever suits you, give it a go. So uh, just to recap there, that's 20% off plus free shipping using the code BLUESFOCUS20. So let's uh, let's get into the podcast. Hello and welcome to another Blues Focus podcast with me, your host, John Graham. Once again, many thanks for taking the time to download this pod. 
and please review, um, share, and leave your comments on all the platforms you're downloading from. It's really important that we, we have your feedback. If you'd like to debate it going forward, and if you're watching on YouTube, again, please subscribe and never miss a future piece of content. Um, delighted to say I've got Tom Oxton with me as usual. How are you going, Tom? Good, thanks, mate. You? Yeah, very well, mate. Very well, especially after a win. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, and I think um, really, really special guest today, um, a guy that was instrumental in bringing on so many good players over an extended period of time. Um, so, Richard, Bill, thank you very much for joining us. No problem, John. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Thomas. No so, just just to sort of kick it off, Richie, obviously spent sort of 15 years at Blues, going back to sort of 2004 and, you know, lots of senior roles, Spellers first team coach over that period as well. And obviously, not long ago, got your sort of um, UEFA Pro licence, which I know that's incredibly difficult to get and probably a select bunch of the do. But was that... If we take it back to day one, how did, how did you sort of get involved in the game? Was coaching always in the forefront or was it playing first and you sort of, I guess, morphed into that? Yeah, I mean, 100% playing was first and foremost. And, um, you know, I love my playing career. I, I didn't play as a professional in England. I, I, I played semi-professional in England and I actually had a spell abroad in America playing professional. So I was really, really um happy that I managed to achieve that and uh, and do that but yeah came back and pretty much played semi-pro football and alongside my playing I I was uh coaching and the the the, the moving to Birmingham came about because I was um with the solid football development scheme a guy called Mark Fogarty who was a good friend of mine and um we used to play against Birmingham and Richard Stevens was the academy manager at the time and after a couple of games uh, of taking our development scheme into the club he asked if I'd like to come and do an age group and um, I jumped in it, being a lifelong Blues fan, and you know my, my dad, my granddad, like many of the fans listening, you guys, I'm sure, um, you know the clubs in your blood, and I didn't want to work for anyone else or or, 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 or do anything else really. So it was a real big honour, and I was really lucky to have, I think, 17 years in the end. Wow. Uh, okay. At the club, and uh, yeah, I started off with the under 11s with um, a young Nathan Redmond, um, Mitchell Hancock's, and uh, Callum Riley, who all went on to. To play so it was a really really good start for me and obviously moved on from there so, so, so back in <clears throat> when you sort of you know you took the reins with that that sort of age group team club had been through and you know as, as, a, as a fan yourself you'd have seen probably the decade prior to that was let, let's say a little bit sketchy um and then obviously when you came in sort of 2004 it seemed like you know we were very much a a mainstay in the championship, pushing for a promotion. So when you got in there, could you see the investment coming into the club and were they doing the right things? Yeah, I'd say so. I mean, I, I remember my dad taking me down and uh, I was at the Kidminster game when we lost, you know, and I remember the, heart, the heartache of Altrincham before that and me, yeah. the Kumars and, and, and all that type of stuff. So I've seen, the, you know, the club like everybody else in the depths. And yeah, I, I suppose I was lucky. I was there during a time when there was a lot of investment. I mean, what we'd give... Personally, what what I'd give now for for the goals in the Sullivan's back, you know, uh, yeah. the goals in Sullivan's back with what's going on currently. But um, it was great, obviously, to yeah get promoted and be around it when we got promoted, and and then the highs of the Carling Cup final, and um, you know, staying in the Premier League for a few years was great. And then obviously the heartache come back down, and you know, it's, it's such a shame to see the decline of the club the last few years. Yeah, and, and just from a from a coaching point of view, you've you've obviously gone in there. Um, as we say, you, you coached, you, you, you reeled off the name, some very good footballers. Was there a philosophy throughout the club or did you bring in, was it sort of age group by age group or was there a master plan and you had to sort of try play a certain way or, or how did that sort of play out? Um, yeah, I mean, over the years, it's, it's, it's there'll always be at the, at, at the top of the academy that people always said I've got a philosophy and a, and, a, and a way of doing things um if I'm honest no we, we you know it's 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 uh yeah people like to say the words philosophy and, and a way of doing things I, I used to coach you know for the kids how, how, how I thought that those kids would 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 um benefit most and teaching the game and teaching them the, the, the real way I think a lot of the times in academies, it's all very technical and um, that's all well and good to, to, to a level. But the lads have got to learn the real world, the real game. And um, I think they're the, the real crucial cru crucial bits. And um, along the way, you have to sort of 
ascertain very quickly what what they're missing and 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 the gaps in their game and 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 it might be uh, the gaps in their personality and their makeup and try and help them best to cope with first in football as and when they get there and a lot of that is technical definitely and I think the academies do all academies do a good job in that in in, in teaching the kids the ball manipulation the skill work but the gaps often come in mentality and in the actual tactical side of the game and dealing with um setbacks and and even dealing with successes you know a success a 16 17 18 year old in youth team football isn't going to pay for first team football you've got to be used to taking knocks and, and dealing with that and I think that's the hardest bit for coaches and academies to um, recreate. And if you can do that, then I think you, you're really, really helping the young players. Hmm. Um, just, I suppose, obviously, you, you you spent such a long time in the youth system at Blues and you've worked with so many young, talented players, you know, your Nathan Redmonds, your Damari Grace, even Callum Riley and Mitch Hancocks. But, uh, who was the most technically gifted or kind of just naturally gifted player that you work with while at Blues? Um, obviously, Jude's got to come into that equation. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> a ridiculous talent as well. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's got to be one of those lads that we've named. Uh, I've real got, you know, really got a soft spot for Nathan. You know, having come in um, and working with him from the age of 10 and seeing him go right through to the, the, the full England team was amazing. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's hard to distinguish between Jude, Nathan, Damari. Really, the three of them have done done really, really well. Um, yeah. So yeah, one of those. How how good is uh, Jude's brother? Yeah, a very very good player as well. I mean, I haven't I haven't worked with with, with his brother um, myself. Obviously, I've watched him in the academy, and um, yeah, he's, he's 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 another really really good talent, and hopefully. The guys there now can can nurture him and, and, and get him into that first team and uh, hopefully he can do the same things for the club that, that Jude did. Definitely. Yeah, without doubt, without doubt. And, and I think just on, so how did your your sort of, you've obviously, you obviously made a massive impact where you're pretty much from the get-go because you, you wouldn't have been there for the period of time that you did. So how, what, what sort of, um, I think probably in, in its best moments, and, and we all know what's going on at the moment, did, did you feel you really had a say in, you know, the, I guess the future of the club, you know, a key stakeholder in, hate to say the word business, but, but it ultimately is. And did you feel that you had that sort of free reign and that real sort of, you know, critical element of a football club? Yeah, when I, when I got to the age of 30, um, I became the reserve team manager, as it was then. Alex McLeish gave me that job and we were in the Premier League then. It was really, really hard for the young players to break through and the club weren't really looking to uh, the youth setup, but you know it was still great to be involved and I was obviously taking on a Saturday morning anyone not in the first team squad I was taking Premier League footballers I remember you know Kevin Phillips coming back from injury being in sessions and, and Nikola Zigic for a spell being out of the team and it was fantastic for me and fantastic for the young players to have players of yeah. that ilk to work alongside and to learn off but it was only really ever when we unfortunately the club got relegated to the Championship, where the players that you were working, we've got the opportunity to come to the fore, and on a few occasions that happened at the club. And um, at that stage, the club leans more on you for your views on these players, and 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 the pressure was on a little bit to make sure that there were players to, to plug the gaps. Unfortunately, yeah. we had a good system and some good players, and hopefully, people say good coaching, whereby uh, the players were able to step in, and a number of them step up and do a really good job for the team. Yeah, I, I, I think that that, that was going was gonna to lead on to, you know, that pressure because it, it must come on because, you know, that, that sort of, we all know when you go out that premiership trap door, then unless you're going to massively reinvest again, which, you know, Blues haven't really done that on a couple of occasions. Um, so, yeah, the, the pressure would be on. And I suppose, do you ever find yourself in a position where you're putting plays in that you just didn't think were quite ready for it? No, I'd always be very honest, John. And... Um... You know, whether it was uh, academy recruitment, whether it was the job I'd done or the job other people had done, if there weren't any players, I'd tell the manager there's, there's currently no players. And if you know, you know, it's up to them or other people then to decide, well, why, why, why is there no players ready? Why haven't we got a centre forward or a player in that position? And I could only ever work with the players I had every single yeah. time I go to work, even now, whatever job I do, you know, in the past of when I was, you know, I, done all sorts of jobs, not even in football, but I'll just give my best and give my all. And it's for other people to decide whether that's good enough. 
fortunately, as I said, you know, during the duration of the time I was at Birmingham, invariably we had a number of good young players that, that would uh, come into the team or good enough to go into the team. And the good thing about it was as well, I had managers that often listened to my point of view and, 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 and would take the boys in training and then see for themselves that, you know, whether they were good enough or not. And lots did, which is really, really good. And, you know, I also think there was players that we had that didn't get the opportunity at Birmingham that yeah. unfortunately have had to go to pastures new or through timing or whatever, unfortunately probably drifted down when given an opportunity, I think they've had a career and that's a reality of youth development as well. Um, but yeah, no, um, I'd always be honest with every manager that came in and, um, it's it's. Uh, I was very fortunate that a lot of the managers, and I think I had eleven or twelve first team managers while I was there. I've gotten really well with uh, with all of them, and you know, I was able to forge a relationship and you know have a say on whether a player was good enough to go and train with the first team or play in the team. During, obviously, you know, during that that period you were at Blues, like you say, you had you worked alongside so many different Blues managers. Which one would you have said had the most influence on your on your career in general as a coach, and also, I suppose, the one that you kind of got on with the best? It's a great question and really hard to answer. Actually, I mean, Alex gave me my chance. That's without a doubt. I was, I was sort of uh, my main role when Alex gave me twenty three job, the reserve team manager job was. I was under fourteen coach. I was the education officer, and I used to go out every day and assist uh, the under eighteen coach or the reserve team coach. So really, I came from nowhere, but uh, the reserve team coach at the time, a guy called Mackie Thompson, was friends with Alex McLeish. And, you know, I think he was really appreciative of the help and guidance I gave him as a local lad and someone that had been at the club a long time. And he definitely put a word in for me. Um, and that, I suppose, pushed me ahead of some of the other people that might have wanted that opportunity at the time. So I was really fortunate to get that chance. Alex gave me a chance sort of on trial and can watch me work and, Obviously, I was very fortunate. He, he then decided to give me the job. So I got a lot of uh, time for Alex and got a lot to thank Alex for. Uh, Chris Hewton was fantastic for the whole club. Uh, he was only there a short spell of time, but learned lots off Chris. And um, he also did a lot for me and, and had me around the first team group, which which, which was great. Lee Clark came in and, and um, under very, very trying circumstances. Uh, again, when Terry McDermott and Derek Fazakali uh, left the club. Lee decided to, to push me and Steve Watson up. So a big opportunity for me to work the first team. And really a dream of mine, really, you know, having gone down to Blues as a four and five-year-old with my dad and stood on the cop and, 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 and sat in the family stand and sat in the paddock and seen everything the club's gone through and knowing what the club means to me and my family to, to stand there in a the touchline in the dugout as, uh, at a first team game and to, to help to pick the team and train the team. You know, it's there are times I'll never, ever, ever forget in, in, in my coaching career and I'd give anything to go back and, and have that opportunity again. And if that comes comes true, then fantastic. If it doesn't, I've always got those times. So Lee was brilliant for me as well. Chris was brilliant for me. And as I said, I mean, Gary Rowe, I got on great with. Um, Gary Monk was fantastic in the time he was at the club. The job he did, I think, was exceptional. And, and you know, what people seem to overlook is how many young players he had trained with the first team. Gary Monk probably had more young players trained with the first team than any other manager. Um, a lot of that was circumstance, but a lot of that was, you know, he had belief in the young players as well. Um, and I think he just missed out on, obviously, the, the best of Jude, which is a shame. But, you know, for, without a doubt, he'd have played Jude if he'd have been kept on and, and, and had the benefit of that. So lots of managers, lots of good times and, uh, yeah, all good. Definitely. And I think, you know, like like you say, you touched upon the Jude and Gary thing. There was a lot of controversy around that and all sorts of rumours. And hearing your kind of brief view on that is is good to hear. And I think um, a lot of people were sad to see Gary go, but then you hear different things and then you start to question it. Um, but it, it's hard when you can't hear from the other side because he can't really openly speak about it. I doubt he will be able to for a long time. But speaking of kind of controversial times of managers while you've been there, like you say, Alex McLeish, who you work closely with, you, you're an honest guy. What were your thoughts when he made that controversial switch when he left Blues? I was just gutted because I got on really well with Alex. As I said, he gave me the opportunity. I mean, it, it was as much a bolt from the blue to me, um, probably as to the fans. I only found out maybe a, a day or two before it happened and, I was really, really shocked. Um, I understood why he did it, though, in terms of leaving Blues. 
obviously as a Blues fan, it's hard to it's hard to um, imagine the first team. I mean, listen, I ultimately did it. I left Blues and I went to Villa. <laughs> I was coming on to that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I mean, I'm happy to talk about that as well. But I mean, you know, especially for for, for managers that I suppose aren't fans of the club. They're just jobs. They are just jobs. And um, so it's a little bit easier for them to I think to make that move. Um, but yeah, it was a shock. Um, but at the time, I mean, he was getting told he had no money. He was getting told um, he couldn't do this. He couldn't do that. The club had got relegated. It, it would have been, you know, sort of very, very damning for his career to stay at Birmingham and he'd have had his hands tied behind his back, you know, so it, I totally understood why he did that. Definitely. And I think, unfortunately, it kind of damned his career either way. When he left Blues, it, it just, it, it didn't really work out at Villa anyway. No, um, it, was as, it was as hard at Villa for him as it would have been at Blues. Exactly. So, um, you know, but uh, you, you look briefly upon kind of the anniversary dinner. He, he really looked to make amends when you see kind of clips from that, which which was great. great. He's a great guy and, He's a, the fans will say, oh yeah, loyal, but he is, a, you know, he's a good, good chap. And uh, I understand I, as a Blues fan, first of all, I understood the reasons why he left. And, you know, at the time Villa are a Premier League club. So, you know, for, yeah, yeah. isn't, hasn't got blood, blue, blue blood going through their veins. You know, you can, you can understand it. Uh, and I think from my point of view, we've had, we've had a, um, we had Roger Johnson on uh, last week. And obviously, when he, he went down the road to, to Wolves from, from, from Blues, he, he got a bit of clog for that. Yeah. But I do think over time, I mean, Blues fans being as we are, you know, those first couple of years are incredibly raw. And then I think after time... Even, we can even, forgive. Well, yeah, even, you know, with McLeish, I mean, if he'd have gone and won the bloody European Cup, we'd be like, I would have been best pleased. But, you know, it, it was, uh, you know, he, yeah, it, it, it wasn't it didn't, it wasn't great for him. So... Um, but you know, he, he ultimately was was superb for Blues. Um, so you know, I, I think a lot of water goes under the bridge, doesn't it? And uh, now it, it's people will remember the cup win more, probably more than him going to Villa. To be honest, definitely. definitely. So, so just want to go back very very quickly because we had Lee Clark on as well, and um, I think when he when he came into the club. I think it was probably one of those job interviews where you sold the dream, you sign your contract, and then the the, the dream disappears pretty quickly. <laughs> how how difficult was it? Because it's some of the stories he said, you just like, and again from a fan, you're not privy to the detail. No. So, so how did how difficult was that? Yeah, I, I, straight straight away from when Lee, I mean Lee came in, and I thought I was going to be going. Um, everyone said to me he had Steve Watson, who's his best friend, as the under twenty three coach at Huddersfield. So. I thought I was on the way out. So um, I went straight in. Lee, Lee, Lee spoke to all the staff and uh, he said, look, if anyone wants to speak to me, come in the office. So I went straight in and said, look, you know, Lee, I've been told that uh, Steve Watson, you want to bring him in, you know, just where do I stand? And he was very honest. He said, look, 100% I want to bring him in, but it'd be to work alongside alongside you. So straight from the off, I think me and Lee had a very uh, good relationship, very honest. And I was, I was really, really grateful that he included me in everything really and so I was privy to a lot that was going on it was very very hard um you know I know that the the, the listen I mean this this type of money is, is ridiculous for for all of us like you know normal guys but the most you could pay a player at the time was five thousand pounds a week um in, and in the championship at the time that was probably you know it was a, a, a bottom bottom uh, three or four budget he had so he had to wheel and deal. I think he did really, really well with that. Brought in a lot of um, good players. And, you know, I remember we, we signed Matt Green and, you know, we're, yeah. we had two grand left in the budget. You know, clubs in the conference play more than two grand to players. But uh, we had to wheel and deal. So that, that was tough. But I think Lee enjoyed that. And, and you know, you, you do enjoy trying to find, um, you know, a rough diamond. And, yeah. uh, and, and, and to stay up. You know, in that in 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 that season, we did stay up was an achievement, if I'm honest. And that that's not right for Birmingham City, but it was at that time. And there was lots of things transpiring against Lee. Um, it was a crazy time for the club, but ultimately, I think, and I think more and more fans are doing it now. I think they're looking back and uh, at that time, you know, five thousand pound maximum per play. You know, there's probably players there now on six times that amount. 
Yeah. Maybe not now, but yeah. for the last couple of years, but certainly a lot more than that. And we're still struggling. So yeah. he actually probably did a better job than people thought at the time. 100%. How was that, 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 that day like for you when we stayed up at Bolton? What was that experience like? Honestly, apart from uh, my kids and, 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 and my wedding day and, and obviously winning the Carling Cup and special, special day, right up there because it was everyone, you know, had us down to go down to then go down to 2 0. Um, Leicester to go one up, you know, there was 15 minutes left. It was like we were dead in the water, weren't we? And mm. beyond the bench and part of that and to know how much had gone into everything building into that was was amazing. I remember we played on the Tuesday night. I think it was, was it Wigan? The, the game on a Tuesday night before we lost 1-0. Yeah. And I, I never used to say much as first team coach in the change room to the group. And I honestly remember saying, the only thing I said was, lads, listen, you know, on Saturday, you're going to remember it for the rest of your life. Whatever happens, if we go down, you'll remember the day you went down for the rest of your life. If we stay up, you'll remember it for the rest of your life. Let's make sure it's that positive one. And I don't know if anyone else remembers that or it's stuck with anyone, but it certainly stuck with me. And for that to, to play out how it played out on the Sunday against Bolton in the way it was, with all them Blues fans there, was just highly emotional and fantastic. And I remember coming back uh, on the coach and... Um, you know, very rarely happens nowadays in professional football, but we all had a few drinks and then we got back and we went to Morton's in Dickens Heath. And I remember Lee Clark not get, initially not getting in because he was wearing his tracksuit. I had to explain to the bouncer, it was the Blues manager, come on, let him in. You're going to get loads of Blues fans coming if you let him in. And yeah, no, we had a good sing-song that night and Lee went home quite early that night. He had a party with his family. Uh, but yeah, I, I remember ended up in Solihull in the Curry House. Um Worst for wear, but fantastic, fantastic. <laughs> fantastic Brilliant. Brilliant. So, obviously, sort of skin of our teeth, survival, but but I think it's probably fair to say, um, you know, things behind the scenes remain difficult. Um, and that that probably then, you, you sort of, you're coming towards the end of your time at Blue. So what, what do you remember about that? I mean, was that just sort of you know, gut-wrenching? You spent, you know, probably yeah. thicker of half your life there. I had and um, seeing what was happening, seeing what was going on, the writing was on the wall. I, I, I probably thought in the January it was a good chance that at the end of the year that would be me. Um, but, you know, I didn't want that to happen. Uh, but I saw the way the wind was blowing. And, I mean, yet yeah, in a nutshell, really, um, what happened that the, the, the under-23 team that year, that is pretty much the same as the under-23 team now. A lot of them boys are still in the team, you know, that... We had a really, really young team at the time. We, we got through to the national final. We're playing some great football and uh, a lot of them boys were doing really, really well. Um, and I, I arranged a charity day, don't I? I arranged a charity day for my friend that unfortunately passed away. Oh, yeah, and, uh, I, I arranged it for two weeks after the end of the season. So there was going to be no clash. One way or other, it conspired that the final, we got through to the final, was going to be on the same day. And, um, you know, I... I, I I had to be at the charity day and I, I told everyone at the club that, um, that I had to, to be at the charity day for weeks in advance and everyone was absolutely fine with it. And then, uh, so I missed one game, but obviously I had full permission from Gary. Gary Monk was the manager at the time and, and everything. And then I got a letter uh, a few days at the end of the season saying, because of that, you know, uh, they're conducting an investigation. So that was 100% an excuse. I went to the investigation with Dong, didn't even mention um, anything about you know, being away for that game. And it was agreed that, that, that the club would, um, you know, pay me, pay my contract up and, and, and off, I, off I went. Um, so, yeah, that was that was there. It was, you know, it shouldn't have ended like that. It's a shame it ended like that. Uh, I think Dong had fell out with Gary. I got on with Gary. So, um, you know, uh, Dong didn't like that. Uh, there was a number of things going on at the time and, I knew the way the club was going. It was a shame. I didn't want to leave. As I said, I'd, I'd still be there to this day, probably, if um, if those situation, if that situation had occurred. But it is what it is. I don't wish anyone any, any bad feeling. It's my club. I love the club. I had 16 and a half fantastic years there and uh, all good things have got to come to an end. Definitely. Richard, just, sorry, just, sorry just, just, just on that, there, there seems to be, and I don't know whether it's just a blues thing or whether it's just a football, it's just the just nature of the beast, some really good people that are said that we've interviewed ex-players 
that have been dealt a pretty shit hand, if I'm being honest. Uh, Martin Granger being probably towards the top of the list with the way it all panned out for him to, towards the end. And you, and again, you, 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 it's really hard to sort of, I suppose, differentiate between your love for the club, but then those decisions are made by the club. Yeah. And, and you know, for you, is it is it typical in football for, I guess, long service just to, or, you know, people that have done a fantastic job? There doesn't seem to be a lot of loyalty kicking around for me. No, I think you're right. I mean, and as a Blues fan, you look back and I think Birmingham City, yeah, not a lot of people seem to leave the club on good terms. No, no, absolutely. Um, but the way I look at it, John, is 100%, you know, the club's the club and people within the club, which are temporary, which are passing through, are different. And I make that distinction. I... 110% will always support Birmingham City. And, uh, you know, I've got uh, two kids now. They'll support Birmingham City and I'll do everything for the football club. Um, like all you guys, like all the fans, I'm a fan. Um, you know, there's one or two people, well, probably, yeah, one or two people still there that, you know, I don't think of the club's best interests. I don't think they're doing the best for the club. And once they're gone, I think the club will benefit from it and everything could be rosy, hopefully. But, um yeah, so it's individuals rather than the club. The club's the club. And the club will always be the club. The club belongs to the fans. The club belongs to the city. And I'm a fan. I'm part of that. And uh, other people will pass will pass by however long that takes. And they'll be gone at some stage. And at that stage, hopefully the club can can move on and prosper again. Definitely. And I think, you know, like, like you said about uh, how, how you kind of exited Blues, was was a shame to see. But it does just sound like they used, you know, was it, was it the Nick Mole Cup? Nick Mole Cup, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, uh, as I said, I mean, the the, the, the final got arranged for um, literally two weeks later than it should have, and I wasn't party to that arrangement. The cynic in me says that that was done on purpose. It was on the same day, the same time. I don't know if that was true, but it somehow panned out that way. Um, but listen, it's it is what it is. Um, and as I said, I harbour no hard feelings towards the football club at all. Yeah. And I know there's people that said, well, you should have been at the game. And listen, you know, there was other people that could step into that role and 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 and, and they did. Um, I'd had a, a year-long commitment to this charity event. I told everyone a long time in advance that I was going to be there. And uh, I know for a fact that wasn't the reason that, um, that I was pushed out. You know, I was probably pushed out for the same reasons as five or six of the other people at the football club who were Blues fans that, 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 that wouldn't wouldn't sit back and just take what was happening at the club and would say stuff. So when you do that, you put your head above the parapet a little bit. People don't like it that are making those decisions and uh, they'll find a way of getting you out of there. And uh, that was what happened. But I weren't willing just to sit back and let, let happen what was happening. Yeah, yeah and I, th- I think just quickly, obviously, uh, uh, would, would you personally, if, if it got the current regime out, would you take relegation to League One to get them out? I'd take anything. Wow. I, I think that says a lot. That really does say a lot mm-hmm. um, about how how bad this current I mean, they, they really do make previous owners look so good compared to them. And I, what what was it first like when they came in? Because the club was on such a high under Rauer. We were technically in the playoffs, just out of it on goal difference. Like, what what was it first like when they arrived? Well, for me, to be honest, I mean, I, I, I don't, right in the background, I was, you know. Uh, but yeah, you just, obviously, like everyone, you think, you know, promises of all this money. Um, and you just hope that the club's going to move forward. Um but then you, you start getting like random people involved that making all these claims and all of a sudden these claims and statements aren't coming through. You straight away start to think, well, what's going on here? And yeah. uh, then that person goes, the next one comes in, then that one goes, the next person comes in. And I think at Birmingham, big problem is, remember we had Michael Dunford as chief executive at one stage. Mm. Michael Dunford was, was, was doing a really, really good job and he was a good um, football man and, and then he, he sort of, again, wouldn't go along with what was going on. So left the club or was forced out of the club. I don't know quite what happened. And then it was like a power vacuum and people that really weren't qualified to, to um, make good decisions for the football club weren't there. There was no one in position. So then you get people filling that vacuum that are either fly-by-nights or people that really haven't got a clue or people that are just 
um, sycophants to these rich owners. And, um, you know, from, from that point on, it's a downward spiral. And, and that's happened at Birmingham for far too long. I think the, the the death the death nail for me was the dong in full tracksuit at the training ground, and at that point I was out. So I have to say, um, but, but anyway, um, so so he came. It obviously came to an end, um, and and by the sounds of it, it's sort of a, a familiar theme from Birmingham, unfortunately. And then you went down the road. So how did, how did that come about? You know, was that? It's as simple as um, I'm out of work. Um... I'm like anyone else. I've got yeah. to pay a mortgage. It's a job, yeah. <laughs> I get a phone call from um, the new academy manager who's going into um, Aston Villa at the time, Mark Harrison, who's also actually, I shouldn't say, he's a Blues fan. <laughs> yeah, I know Mark, I've known him for a while. Um, you know, and he rings me and says, would you be interested in talking to us about this job? And I was like, 100%, absolutely. You know, uh, I think everyone would understand, you know. Yeah. I didn't take that job. I can't feed my family. So, but listen, what I will say is, and again, this won't be popular. I had a fantastic time at Aston Villa. Um, they've got an ownership that is to be envied. Um, and in the year I spent there, everybody was fantastic to me. I really enjoyed my time there. And it's a football club on the up, whether people like that or not. That's a fact. Yeah. Well, we'll see when Grealish gets sold to a big club. Yeah. But anyway, um, <laughs> did they didn't do great in the week, did they? Without him, um, so I, I think just just on that. So you had a good time, and you, you obviously moved on to what what you're doing now. Was that is that because you wanted to get back into that sort of assistant manager role, or what? What? what why, yeah. where, where was your head with that? Or did you just want to leave Villa? Just, just. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. As I said, I was enjoying my time at Villa, yeah, and I was really grateful to Mark Harrison, especially for giving me the opportunity. Um, what happened was that. I, Good friend of mine, Jimmy Shan, who was the West Brom um, caretaker manager. Yeah. When when they got into the playoffs, they, they very narrowly lost to Villa on on penalties. I'd, I'd I'd known Jimmy a long time since since working with the under 11s and 12s at Blues, and we'd always struck up a good relationship. And the simple fact of the matter was, Jimmy got the Solihull Moors job and rang and asked if I wanted to to um, assist him in that job. And as I said, I was enjoying my time at Villa. I, I, I went and told Mark Strato, I said, look, there's a chance that this might happen. I didn't want it to, to be a shock to him, but it all happened very quick with Jimmy. I had to give Jimmy a quick decision. And yeah, I made the decision to go back into first-team football. Um, I wanted the opportunity to work with first-team players again. Um, as I said, enjoying my time uh, at the Aston Villa Academy. I suppose the long and short of it is I've done it for a number of years, apart from sort of one and a half, two years as first-team at, at Blues. I'd, I'd been working youth development for for 14, 15, 16 years and um, proven that I could help to develop players right up to, you know, full England international level. Um, and I suppose I felt I had some unfinished business at first team level. And, you know, obviously the aim for me and Jimmy is to get Solly all promoted and to do really, really well there and and, and to get Solly up the leagues. And that'd be really, really exciting. So I just thought the excitement of that project and working with Jimmy and learning off um, someone who's a top, top coach, again, you know, because you never stop learning, uh, was too good an opportunity to turn down. And, Listen, if, if, if it doesn't work out at Solihull, then, you know, um, I might not have made the right decision, but I, I truly feel I have. And I, I think we can really do some some good stuff at Solihull and, and move the club in the right direction. It's been good so far. Yeah. Um, yeah. I follow Moors all the time um, where I can. You know, if Blues aren't playing, I'll, I'll be I'll be down at a Moors game. I, yeah. Firmly the best hot dogs I've ever had at a football game are down at Solihull Moors. Yeah. Um, Pardon? Terry, Terry, Terry makes them, doesn't he? Is it Terry? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's Terry. And then, um, oh, who else is it? I'm trying to remember who else. Uh, someone else, but it's not coming to me. But I just, I think I, I like everything about Sully Ormore, so I could yeah. completely understand why you'd want to go to a club like that that's, you know, run well. and Absolutely. Great owners. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people there I know and uh, moving in the right direction. So, Listen, we're never just going to walk it and win every single game. We're going to lose yeah. some, we're going to win some. And we're playing top of the league tonight. It's going to be a good test for us playing against Torquay. So hopefully we can turn them over and get on a run. It's been so difficult to get a steady run of games, no rhythm. Yeah. Uh, hopefully we can do that now. And, you know, we've had seven away games on the trot. I mean, it's been unbelievable. I don't know um, any other team that's ever had that. So it's been a tough time. Um, and we've managed to pick up points along the way, but hopefully we've got a number of 
home games now and our home form has been really good so we can get on a good run like I said and uh, go from there but it's been great to you know uh, we signed Adam Rooney we've got Gleeson there yeah Hancock's Darren Carter myself Julia Shelton uh, Daryl the owner's a big Blues fan I believe he tried to sign a, uh, buy the club at one stage Tim Murphy the other guy who who um, owns the club with Tim with Daryl so loads of good Blues people it's it's been really I wish nice. he did buy the club oh, <laughs> I'll get a chance soon Definitely. Um, <laughs> yeah. So just talking about, yeah, I, I don't want to put a dampener on it because that's been, Richard's been really good. And, and you know, uh, we, we tend to say that the people are really invested in the in the club, whether it be players or coaching staff, that from a fan's point of view, just to thank you for the time yeah. and efforts that you put in there, yeah. which leads us on to where we are now. So I'm going to, I tend to ask this to most of the guests because I don't like being an after-timer and I think it's very easy to say, you know, when, when Karanka was appointed, was that, were you positive about that when he was appointed? What were your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, it's really, really hard to, you know, obviously you see the product on a Saturday, um, but it's really, really hard to know exactly what a manager's like until you've been around it and see how they work with, and interact with players and how they interact on the grass. But, yeah, I think like like a number of the Blues fans, I was positive, uh, especially from what had gone on before with uh, the previous manager, uh, Pep Tutek. Um But I think it's going to be hard for any manager at the moment down there. Mm. I really think it's going to be hard for any manager. I've, I've, you know, Guardiola and Mourinho coming tomorrow, are they going to make too much difference? I can't, I can't see it, you know, and, and that's, that's the bill and end all of it, really. Mm. Um, yeah. um, where, where do you think... I mean, obviously, there's been a lot of, obviously, like yourself with Solio, lots of games in a very short period of time. And ones, I think, as, as, as supporters, we, we would hope to have got more out of. Um, did, did you watch the game uh, against Chef Wednesday Saturday? Or have no, you seen I, any highlights? I watched Millwall and I watched Luton, but I didn't see Chef Wednesday. But, and as far as the Luton performance, because again, in, in a, I think probably being from a negative point of view, from a coaching, you know, you've been in the game a lot. Luton are, yeah, they're, they're, they're probably, let's say they're probably bottom half of the championship Luton are Luton. at best. <laughs> so you're going, you're approaching that game. How disappointing is it? And, and how can you maybe articulate that a team goes out in a game that is vital, that in inverted commas we should win, to be so flat? I mean, it happens, but you sort of, why does that sort of happen, do you think? Yeah, I mean, if anybody could put a finger on it, John, they'd be, uh, you know, they'd be top of their field in whatever they're in. I think Blues went into that game lowest ebb in confidence, and that does strange things to players because um, all of a sudden no one wants to get on the ball. People don't express themselves. You know, you might do like a even a, a set play routine, and it's a little bit risky, and players don't want to risk it. They don't want to give it away, and players go in themselves, and it looked like a performance like that. And um, to go then to Sheffield Wednesday and, and, and get that three points, the, the, the value of that three points and the impact of that three points will be huge, you know, for Birmingham going, go, going forward into the, into the games coming up. I mean, obviously, it's a tough one next with Norwich, but uh, just getting that three points can galvanise people, can bring people out of the shell. Um, and wh whatever was done in between the Luton game and Sheffield Wednesday game, on the training pitch or off the training pitch, you know, there might not have been a lot done, but... You know the impact of what the fans did. That even that could yeah. really, really help. You know, I, I saw that post. I thought it was absolutely brilliant. And you know, if nothing's done, then nothing happens. But a manager will go away, and a manager will work with the players and and, and do as much as they can on the grass. It was only a short space of time, but they'll have meetings and the way to talk to the players, and maybe the players get themselves together. Or, but certainly, you know, what the fans did was great, and could only have contributed to. Um, I don't know what the performance was like at Sheffield Wednesday, but what was a fantastic three points? Yep. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we mentioned it on the, on the, the we did a pod, we reviewed the game and Karanka himself came out and mentioned the sort of banner outside the training ground. Um, and it is, it's all about, you know, the, the little things, isn't it? That, that sort of, you know, eventually that, that all sort of come together. If everything's positive, it can only have the, that positive effect. Yep. But as far as performance is concerned, the, the one major difference, and, and, and it was stark, was um, Rakeem Harper playing centre mid. And, and, and just having that, like you said, he, he shoot absolutely no signs of being, don't want to give it away. He was the kid that just wanted the ball all the time. And honestly, 
and I was going to I really wanted to ask you this question. One of the guys that I never really got a run at Blues, but when he played, I thought he was exceptional, was um, Reese Brown in that sort of centre mid, never give it away, always wanted it. He didn't look the happiest guy on the planet, I, I, will, I will say that. But it's been a while since we've had that type of midfielder that will just get take the responsibility. So, I mean, is, is that something that... Like you said, it, can you can you coach that? You know, is that something where, or is that just a god given? I think I think it can be knocked out of players, which is truly a shame. But you mentioned Reese there. I knew Reese a nine year old, and I still speak to Reese to this day. I mean, he was fearless, brilliant footballer, brilliant footballer, great great lad. I love Reese, and it was such a it was a crying shame it didn't work out from at Birmingham, and you know, I've, I, I repeat this story. I sent Reese through from under twenty threes three times into the first team and ultimately he kept coming back and he won't mind me saying, you know, it's it's just immature things like it might, he hated the gym. He just loved being in on the uh, training pitch and he might miss a train, a, a gym session. And when you're a young lad in around the first team environment, the first team players won't let you get away with that. They won't like that. So he, he, he'd come back and then he'd come back and he just wanted to play football. So he, as long as he's playing football, he didn't really mind where he was in the playground reserves or first team pitch. He wouldn't kick him a fuss. Although, of course, you know, he's ambitious and he wants to be in the first team. And ultimately, that at, at the minute, that's probably cost him playing at the level he should have played at because I think he should have been a Premier League footballer. Yeah. It, it, but, you know, all that being said and done, he's playing at Peterborough and he's having a good career for himself. But yeah, the young players will do that, John. And Raheem Harbour's a young player that will go and get on the ball and he won't care too much for um, previous results. He won't care too much for the club's in a bit of a malaise and a decline. He'll just want to go and get... I thought he'd done well at Millwall and Luton as well. You know, he'll just want to um, get in the ball and make things happen. And and young players can have that effect. And I'm not saying anything about the current manager. I don't know him at all. But um, managers often stick with tried and trusted and what they know. And, you know, being a big advocate for young players, there's, there's, there's sometimes a big, big um, plus in throwing a young one in and letting them play without fear and without any pressure on their shoulders because often they won't read too much into it. They won't think and they can be a revelation for you. Yeah. And, and I think on that point, mate, you, you've got to give Karankas some, he's had, he's had a lot of clog and he, and he deserves it, you know, for, for a lot, a lot of the, the decisions he's made, but he was a lot braver to be fair in his, in his recent selections. And yeah, obviously one game doesn't make a season, but I think you're right. Those three points are absolutely vital. I mean, we, we, if we'd have lost that game, I just, I just can't see how we would have, we could have sort of come back from it. Yeah, it's Norwich next, isn't it? Yeah, tonight. Yeah. So no, we'll, yeah. we'll we'll play Norwich, and uh, on the back of that, I think hopefully we'll start the game a lot better than we've been starting games. Yeah, definitely. And if you get a foothold in the game, and you nick one, then all of a sudden, you know, things just turn. Um, I just. You know, I just don't want to get anyone's hopes up. I just hope that, you know, the club can stay up this year. And, you know, we've said about, would it be better to go down? We, none of us want that. And um, hopefully things can 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 kick off and uh, kickstart us going forwards. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. Just, just, just as we sort of wrap it up, um, the continual theme in, in these sort of pods where we, we ask our guests if you could you know, take one of the players that certainly from your point of view that you've coached and you've, you've been involved with. And if you dropped them into the team now, given the circumstances that we're in, who do you think that could go in there and do the best job for the club from the guys that you've coached over all those years? Um, that's a really good question. Um, I'm probably... I'm probably going to go for Nathan. I have got a soft spot for him, but he, I think for me, the team needs, any team needs someone that can unlock and 1v1s and there was no one better at 1v1s than Nathan. On top yeah. of that, I don't think he scored the amount of goals that I'd hoped he would in his career, but um, the, the Nathan that burst into the team at Birmingham with nothing else going on in his mind and just fearless getting shots off from everywhere. And he's still like that a little bit now, without a doubt. He's, he's, he's a better player than he was then. But yeah, I'd go for Nathan because he can unlock so many doors in so many different ways with his pace, with a trick, with a shot. Uh, he'd be the one that, if you ask me tomorrow, who could you get back into that team? It'd be Nathan Redmond, definitely. I think that's a brilliant shout. Yeah. Brilliant shout. And, and, and I know that he'd, 
give nothing more than to finish his career at Birmingham or come back at one stage. He's, you know, he, he, he thinks that much of the club. Well, I, yeah, I, I mean, hope so. Yeah, <laughs> and, and me, and me. But he's, he's in an interesting midfield at the moment. I think we've got Mark Ward in there and, and uh, Martin O'Connor. So uh, he's, he's, he's with some good company. That, 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 that's for sure. I can't but, wait to actually build that squad from all the... Oh, absolutely. The it's, 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 it's super. <laughs> Liam Dice Centre are fantastic. Oh. What a guy. Do you remember when he used to run around his fist around the cop? I loved that. <laughs> I loved it. <laughs> Those were brilliant days, weren't they? In the, weren't they? the best, the best. <laughs> Richard, thank you very much for your time. That's been, you know, just a, a joy. And uh, brilliant said, having yeah. you on, mate. Richard, thank, and good luck, good luck with Solihull. Let, let's uh, let's hope you turn Torquay over. One more. Absolutely. But for now, everybody, thanks for taking the time to download the pod. Um, Again, please go to www.bluesfocuspod.co.uk. Subscribe, never miss any any content going forward. Got loads of guests coming up. uh, And yeah, please enjoy it. Uh, But for now, stay safe and keep writing. Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around, you've got your McNugget share box ready to go, your mates are already booked for double dipping, and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.